Well, if you have your Bibles, the book of James, the book of James is where we're at on Sunday nights. We're looking at chapter 1 and verse 12. James chapter 1. idea behind James is the idea of genuine faith, what genuine faith acts like, how genuine faith acts in certain circumstances. And James, it looks like it really does kind of come from the uh, biblical wisdom literature. If you think of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, it's kind of the, 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 the genre that James is writing in. And so he's writing about wisdom of how to live a Jesus way of life and the very practical parts of life. And so uh, we're going to look at James chapter 1, and uh, we've talked about uh, how to live in trials, how to live in our hard times. Um, Rhonda, can you get me a handheld mic, please? Um, so we, uh, y'all won't have to jump around and worry about, is he, when's he going to pop again? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We'll see how this works. And uh, I don't like y'all, I like y'all awake, but I don't like y'all like <laughs> When's he going to pop again? So uh, anyway, James chapter 1, as we talk about the practical wisdom of life, how, to, how genuine faith acts in the practical areas of life. We've talked about trials, hard times, and we talked about money, how money uh, creates, sometimes money can create trials. Uh, people talk about having money problems. I remember my dad, when I was growing up, he said, son, we don't have money problems. We have lack of money problems. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, look at James chapter 1. We'll take another uh, look tonight and see the very practical place that James wants us to be wise at. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. But when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So I heard a story about a young boy, about an eight-year-old boy named Bobby. Bobby wanted a new bicycle, and so his parents told him if he would save up his money, uh, they would help him get a new bicycle. And so Bobby's trying very, very hard to hold on to his quarters, to hold on to those dollar bills, to hold on to those dimes, and be able to save up for his money, uh, save up his money for his new bicycle. And he wasn't going very fast, and his mama overheard him praying one night, uh, knelt down beside his bed, and he said, Dear God, please help me save my money for my bicycle. And please don't let the ice cream truck come down our street tomorrow. <laughs> Can I get an amen right there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about another guy, um, an overweight businessman who was trying to lose some weight. And so uh, he told people in his office that he was going to stay away from the donut shop. The donut shop was going to have to be off limits for him. And so he did good for several weeks. And they came in one day with a big old giant coffee cake. And so his uh, workmates were kind of scolding him a little bit. Dude, I thought you were going to stay away from that kind of stuff. And he said, I really think the Lord wants me to have this one. And I really said, yeah. He said, I've been, I intentionally don't drive by the donut shop. And today, I accidentally went that direction, went by the donut shop, and I told the Lord I wouldn't stop unless there was a parking spot right in front. And on the eighth time around, there was. <laughs> 
Well, sometimes we're that way with temptation, right? That's what James is going to talk about tonight. He's going to talk to us about what genuine faith acts like when we're being tempted to sin, tempted to do evil. Now, if you look at James chapter 1, depending on the translation you have, uh, it may use the word temptation in verses 2 through 8. Uh, there, and, and the context is what determines the difference there. There, the word temptation, your translation may say trial, which is a better translation of that word. In verses 2 through 8, he's talking about trials. He's talking about hard times that we go through. And you can tell that by context. The word means different things depending on context, all right? For we have these kind of words all the time. What does Somebody tell me, what does the word spring mean? Somebody holler out real quick. It's a season of, of life. Okay, season and in, 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 in coming up. What's another word, another definition of spring? A mattress spring. Okay, good. Somebody else? Water coming out of the ground. So you see, you got all these definitions of spring. An animal can spring out at you, right? And how do you know what it means? You know by context. You know by the sentence. And so we know in James 1, the first eight verses, if, you, if you're... Version says temptation. It means trial. It means a hard time because it talks about that. In verses, especially starting in verse 13 through 18, the word temptation there means an enticement to sin. It changes. It's different, okay? And context tells you that. You got to read. When you read James 13 through 18, you can tell this is not a hard time. This is enticement to sin. And so James wants to give us some understanding, some help with our temptation. Now, I think all of us could use a little help, right? Because we're all tempted to sin, and we give in a little more often than we like to admit that we give in. And so here's how genuine faith acts when we're being enticed to sin, tempted to sin. So, James looks at it here, and he's going to tell us what to do. And what he says, one of the big things he says is this. God may be, not always is, but he may be the author of trials, the difficulties in our life, because he intends to use those to strengthen us, okay? James 1, 2 says what? Count it all joy. Consider it joy when you go through hard times because God's going to use that to make you more like Jesus, okay? So God may be the author of that. God is never to blame for temptation and enticement to sin. He's never, we never construe temptation to sin as something that comes from God. He never tries to get us to sin. Why? He can't. There's nothing about sin to do with God. He doesn't have anything to do with sin. So he's never going to try to get you to do, go that direction. So last time we, we saw that in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a hard time, we are to ask for wisdom. And wisdom shows us how to act in a hard time, how to act in a way that we will grow and how to act in a way that will be a testimony to somebody else. Now, you can just kind of carry that on over into temptation and ask God to show us how to avoid temptation. So we ask God for wisdom on how to act. Everybody say act. Act in trials and how to avoid. Everybody say avoid. Avoid temptation. The, uh, the big story here tonight, the big thing to, to get tonight is stay as far away from temptation as you possibly can. Okay, as far away as you possibly can. Now, Jesus was tempted in every way. We're going to see tonight, temptation itself is not a sin. In fact, I, I heard something this morning in Sunday school I hadn't thought about. I was, you know, we were talking about how Jesus is tempted in every point. Uh, anything we go through, Jesus has been through. And I said to the class, I said, 
You know, sometimes I wish there was a story about Jesus being woken up 75 times during the middle of the night by a nine-month-old. <laughs> I said, but I know that didn't happen. And one of our Sunday school classmates said, it could have. He was the oldest brother, and he had younger siblings, and he may have helped his mama out during the middle of the night. Maybe he did. I wish it was in the Bible. <laughs> so I could see how to deal with a screaming nine-month-old. Well, I don't want to scream a nine-month-old 75 times a night. But I had one time that I had, uh, I wish I would have had that. So let me say three things about how to act and try, how to act in temptation. Number one, I want to say if we're going to um, be wise in temptations, we need to recognize the source. Realize where it's coming from. Because you know where it's coming from, you know a little bit better about what to do. Do with it. I got a text this last week. Actually, I got a text and a phone call that said I had a package that was undeliverable. And guess what? I did not return the phone call. <laughs> and I did not click on the text. If I had called the person, and I love the way the guy says, uh, uh, hey, uh, 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 man, uh, I've got a package. Like, really? Best, best, you know you have my name? <laughs> you know you got a package addressed to me? You know all you can come up with is man? But here's the thing. I didn't accept it because I don't know who that's from. If Marcus had called me and said, they dropped one of your packages off at my house, would you come get it? I'd have hopped in the car and went over there and got it. Why? I know Marcus. I trust Marcus. I know Marcus is a good guy. I know he has my good in heart. And so I would trust him with that. Some guy calling me up on the phone, I don't trust that guy to know exactly what's going on. The source of temptation is either going to be the world or the devil or your own flesh. And you can't trust any of those three. God is never the source of your temptation. You can trust him. And so when we realize the source, we realize what? We want to stay far, far away. So look at verses 12 and 13. Blessed, happy. You're happy when you stay out of temptation's way. Amen. Happy is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, and of course the word of verse 12 is talking about still going with trials. For when he is tried, he shall then receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, enticed to do evil, enticed to sin, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. One of the big things about this whole section of scripture is this, God gives good gifts. God gives good gifts. And he says when we endure the trials, at church 12 is talking about trials now. When we endure trials, when we uh, follow Christ in the middle of the hard times, he says, I'm going to give you a crown of life. Crown of life. Now, don't think of a bedazzled golden crown, you know, that sits high on a king's head. That's not what these guys are thinking about. They're thinking about a, a little wreath that they give to the athletes that win the race, that kind of thing. And so the idea behind God gives us the uh, crown of life, the idea is not a possession. The idea God gives you life. And life eternal. You get to live close with God forever. And so that's the, that's the promise of eternal life. That's what God gives. Don't think about some prized possession that you can show. Oh, man, look what I earned. Look what I got. No, no, no. So I did. You get to do life forever with God. And it, it's interesting there. It says at the last part of verse 12, to them that what? That love him. To them that love him. 1 Corinthians 16, 22, the New International Version says, if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be 
See, the idea is that we love God because what? He proved his great love for us. We love God because he loved us first and loved us more. So genuine faith believes God is the source of good gifts. Our flesh, the enemy of our souls, the world, uh, they, uh, they don't give the good gifts. Okay, so we live for the reward that God has for us. The reward of grace. It's really not reward. It's the gift of grace of eternal life. Now, one of James' arguments in this section is that God is not to blame when temptation comes. God is not to blame for temptation. He's not to blame for our, uh, our failure to stand firm in the test and point out that human beings, watch this, we bear responsibility for our actions. We cannot blame God, for God is the author of every good and perfect gift. So look at James chapter 1, verse 18. So when we are tempted, we should never say, God's tempted me. God's trying to do this. No, watch, watch what God offers us. James 1, 18, the New Living Translation. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Isn't that cool? God says, avoid temptation. Run to me. Well, I'm the giver of life. I love you. I loved you before you loved me. And what, if, what do we become? We become his prized possession. God treasures you. God cherishes you. We can look up to our heavenly daddy and say, I'm so glad that you chose me and that you want me and that I belong to you and that you give all good and perfect gifts. The temptation, the evil of this world does not come from you. That comes from somewhere else. We'll see it in just a minute. Look at James 1.14, the new century version. But people are tempted. Now watch what it says. When their own Evil desire leads them away and traps them. You expect me to say the author of temptation, where temptation comes from, is from the devil. And it does. He is called the tempter. Okay, he really, really does. But here's the thing. If there was nothing in our flesh that would respond to that, we wouldn't be tempted. Where does it come from? Look at what it says. We're tempted by your own evil desire. <laughs> you see, the truth is, we have a desire to do evil. It sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? But it's Scripture, so I'm pretty sure it's true, right? <laughs> right? So we're, 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 we're wicked in our hearts. We want, there's something about, there's something in us that wants to sin and wants to do evil. Now, if you're saved, there's also something in you that wants to love Jesus, <laughs> wants to do the right thing, wants to glorify God. You love the Lord Jesus now. So now there's a, maybe a bigger battle than when you were lost because when you were lost, you didn't have that love for Jesus like you have now. So there may be a bigger battle about sin once you're saved, maybe worse than it was before you were saved because you don't have quite the, the desire to do good back then as you do now. So James knows it's not necessarily God. It's not necessarily Satan and Satan alone. Instead, it's that personal desire. Watch this, born of self-interest that makes us susceptible. Makes us susceptible to the evil inclination and therefore at times to the wiles of the evil one. The reason why we're, we, we tend to give in to the temptations of the evil one is because we kind of want to. We kind of would like to do that. That's why it's called the passing pleasures of sin. Sin can be fun for a season, okay, for a season. God offers joy forever. 
Yeah, this morning my quiet time was from Psalm 1611, and it says there's joy in his presence forever. The sin offers passing pleasures. God offers everlasting pleasures. And the wise decision is to choose God, right? And we need to be careful when we're tempted not to blame God, not to turn against God, not to turn our heart away from God, because that's a slippery slope that leads to more temptation and leads to more sin. You see, when we face a financial difficulty, the temptation that comes with it is to say, God's really not providing for me as good as I hoped he was. When we lose a loved one, the temptation that comes with that is that God doesn't love me as much as I thought that he loved me. When we face unjust suffering, we're tempted to question God's justice or God's fairness. You see, anytime a trial, and I think this is why James has temptation at the end of trials, because the trials can come with temptations embedded in them, trying to turn our hearts away from God. That's why James is going to say, no, no, no. He's the giver of good gifts. He's the giver of good gifts. Don't forget the source of your good gifts. God is perfectly sinless. We are utterly sinful. And so when we sin, we tend to want to blame that on somebody else. And y'all remember, uh, blaming is what? Being lame. Okay, to blame is to be lame. We want to blame it on our friends. We want to blame it on our family. We want to blame it on some politicians. We want to blame it on the news. We want to blame it on the, some new law that was passed. We want to blame it on our heredity, our DNA, or whatever, whatever it is. We bear the responsibility when we give in to sin. So human, it's our responsibility. We don't need to blame that on anybody else. Listen, guys, I love what David talked about. Flourishing as a Christian is something we can do regardless of what the setting we live in is. I was reading a book the other day, and um, it said this was on a T-shirt. Now, if you excuse me, tonight's bad decision isn't going to make itself. <laughs> we make those ourselves, right? We choose to do that. And so tonight, one of the things we need to ask ourselves, is there anything we've been delaying and obeying from revival? Because as I said this morning, delayed obedience really is disobedience. So recognize the source. God's the giver of good gifts. Our flesh wants things that aren't necessarily good for us. Secondly, recognize the strategy. Recognize the strategy that happens here. Now, there's a strategy. There's a trick. Satan wants to deceive you. Uh, when Laura and I went to Las Vegas several weeks ago for vacation, we went to a, a magic show. And at one of the magic shows, we went to a guy named Matt Franco. He was one of the first magicians to win America's Got Talent. And uh, just awesome magician. And so he asked for volunteers for a certain trick in the audience. And guess who got picked? Laura did. <laughs> yeah, nobody said Barry, right? He walks down the aisle. Who wants to do this? And there's my wife. <laughs> Pick me. <laughs> That's just what she did. And so Matt Franco picked her. She went on stage. Um, with him and he was doing some magic tricks and uh, he had some coins and he gave her a purse and he said look at this, this little bit of change purse make sure no hidden compartments and so she went all through it right looked through it really really well and so he's got like three coins here on this table Laura is sitting right next to him and he's like alright the coins are under this hand and then uh, all of a sudden he picks it up and they're over here under the other hand and Laura's like looking at him and then they go back and they go back and forth between the hands and then they end up in the change purse and so after I asked her, I said, could you tell what was going on? She said, I could not see a thing. And at the beginning of the show, the magician said, these are tricks. These are tricks. If you know, how, see, if Laura knew the trick, she might could have caught it. 
She knew what it was. But not knowing what the trick is. And he, and he said, don't, don't, don't let trying to figure out the trick ruin the magic show for you. He said, if you saw the sunset and you knew the scientific reason for the sunset, that might just steal your joy from it. Just enjoy. But here's the thing. With Satan, he's deceptive as well. He's, doing, he's trying to trick you trying to trick you and if we know what the strategy is we know what to look for so look at James 1 verses 14 and 15 in the New Living Translation temptation comes from our own desires everybody say own desires yeah which entice us and drag us away these desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow it gives birth to death so let's look at it for a second, okay? Let's look at it for a second. First of all, in this strategy, there's deception. There's deception. It's a, it's a, it's a lie. It's a trick. It's a strategy here. And here's the deception is sin promises more than it can deliver. Sin is an enticement to disobey God, an enticement to walk away from God, enticement to fulfill a desire in a way that God never intended it to be, to, to be fulfilled. And so it's a deception, it's a trick, and it's a lie. And there are many lies that lead to sin. Oh, it's going to be fun. It'll be a blast. Everybody's doing it. You won't get caught. Nobody will get hurt. You're going to miss out. If you don't do this, look at all the money you'll make. And here's the thing. Those aren't whole truths. Partially, maybe. And a partial truth's a whole lie. Everyone's doing it. No, they're not. <laughs> you won't get caught. Yes, you will. Who's going to see you? God, yeah, God sees you every time. Nobody's going to get hurt. Every time you sin, somebody gets hurt. You get hurt, and even if my sin doesn't cause me to directly hurt my family, I lose something of my joy, I lose something of my patience, I lose something of my gentleness because I'm not connected to Christ as well. And so they indirectly get hurt when I live in sin, even if it's not me attacking them or being mean to them or saying something mean to them, I still lose some of the joy. See, sin is fun for a season, but it's not fun forever. And it's not something that you're glad you did if you love Jesus. That's the deception. You're going to, oh man, this is going to be great. But when you look back, the things that are great are the things that you can tell other people about. And you can do it with other people. And you can be grateful in the morning to God for it. John Piper said this, sin gets its power by persuading me to believe I will be happier if I follow it. The power of all temptation is a prospect that it will make me happier. When we sin, we're basically saying, I know better than God. I know better how to make me happy than God does. So it starts with deception, and then it moves into desire. We move into desire. And, and see, so what Satan wants to do is to get you talking to him. Because he's going to feed on that desire. He knows there's a desire in you to sin. So he wants to feed on that. And the more he can get you talking and thinking and, and going over this in your mind, the more likely you are to sin. Telemarketers know that. That's why when they call you up, they do everything they can to keep you on the phone. Because as long as you're on the phone, there's a chance you may say yes. If you hang up, 
They've lost you, right? And that's why if you answer the phone, they're probably going to call you back because you at least picked it up, okay? And if you talk a little bit, they're probably going to call you back because the more you talk, the more opportunity you have to say yes. So that desire can be for fun. That desire can be for belonging. That desire can be for sex. That desire can be for love. It can be for peace. It can be to feel valuable. Whatever that desire is, Satan can twist that. Our own sinful desires can twist that into something that we think is good when it actually isn't. That's why the scripture gives that idea of baiting a hook. That's the idea that you're lured away, you're enticed away. When you're fishing, you're trying to make that bait look like a worm. You're trying to make it look like a hurt fish. You're trying to make it look like a frog. And what are you trying to do? Hide the hook, right? The idea is to hide the hook so the fish won't see it. And whenever that desire attracts them to it and they bite, then you grab the hook. Then you set the hook and snatch the hook into them. And they don't realize how dangerous it truly is. I was reading where in Japan, one of their fish delicacies there is the puffer fish. And there's a particular way they have a fix in a puffer fish that is something of a delicacy. However, for a chef to offer uh, this particular delicacy in Japan, uh, they may have to go through several years of training. Because a puffer fish has a toxin in it. And they have to know exactly how to get that lethal toxin out. And they say, the article I read said that every year there are several people that die and many get sick from eating the puffer fish. Because it, was, it has a toxin in it that you can't see. And if the chef doesn't know what to do, it's going to get them. Now, how about you? Me and you sitting at that restaurant and you offer the puffer fish and you look at me and say, what do you want? I'm going to say, I'm going to take the fried shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the idea that if that guy didn't prepare it right, <laughs> he didn't pay attention in class <laughs> and score an A, now I may die from eating. I, I got other things I can eat, right? Got other things I can eat. And so that's the idea. I, I love what one person said. Opportunity may only knock once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. Scotty Smith is the pastor of uh, Christ Community Church where a lot of um, Christian uh, contemporary singers go to church, Christian celebrity types go to church. Uh, he said, uh, where, where he writes, celebrityism, celebrityism feeds the very things that scriptures warn us against. Success and acclaim can easily crowd out the servant model the Bible places before us. What's he saying? Even in Christian life, even in contemporary Christian music, you can get to thinking that I want to be famous and I want to be well-known and I want people to listen to me and it can become about me very, very easily instead of being about God. And so the desire attracts us. It attracts us and lures us away. And then the next part is disobedience. Disobedience. You see, as long as we're just being tempted, that's not a sin. To be tempted is not a sin. Sin is when we act on it, when we hold on to the thought and play that fantasy out in our mind. It's when we actually do the thing, say the thing, neglect the thing, hold on to the thought, hold on to the attitude, go to the place God told us not to go, hit the snooze button, and skip the quiet time, skip the church service, skip the Sunday school class. When we spin that, we don't give that, we walk away instead of speaking up. We make excuses instead of obedience and we choose this guys we choose to believe God maybe he's not all that good 
Maybe he's not worth the delayed, satis- the delayed gratification. When we look at God as the giver of every good and perfect gift, what do we got to say? He's worth some delayed gratification. He's worth me. Uh, all, he's worth all of that. He really does mean what he says about sin. Sin really does carry a price tag. There really can be discipline after a sin. So we have to choose to believe God or to believe our own flesh. I love what one guy wrote. Too many Christians have a commitment of convenience. They'll stay faithful as long as it's safe and doesn't involve risk, rejection, or criticism. And then last of all, there's death. Look at James 1.15. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, we need to see the outcome of disobedience. And it's shocking language. We've heard it before, but it's shocking language. It gives birth, we might think, oh, kind of hard time, things not going to go so well, you know, family's not going to go really great, your finances are going to suffer. He said, oh, it gives birth to death. The idea behind sin is it has a seed of death in it. And so when we sin in the area of our life and we stay there and we don't confess it and we're not daily repenters and we let it have its way, it does eventually bring death to relationships. It brings death to our joy. It brings death to our peace. It brings death to our security in Christ. He's not saying this doesn't mean, uh, you know, that you're going to go to hell if you sin. Don't repent of it. It just means that sin leads to a bad place. It's leading to death. And God, the good gift God gives you are the ones that you really want to hang on to. James wants us to know what? There are no harmless sins. They're all bad. They're all wicked. They all bring forth death. So what happens when we sin? Maybe we feel really guilty. Maybe we don't feel as guilty as we thought we'd feel. Maybe we think we got away with it. (laughs) Maybe we're surprised it wasn't worse. Maybe we're thinking, man, I'm never going to do that again. Or maybe we think, oh man, I must have really let God down. But here's the thing. The guilt that comes is there to drive us to Jesus, not beat ourselves up. The sooner we get to Jesus with that, confess it, thank God, he allows for U-turns. Amen? It talks about a, listen, it says that when it's full grown, when you continue to travel that road, but man, the Holy Spirit is there saying, rerouting, (laughs) rerouting, all right, make a U-turn at the, I love it when it says, sometimes it'll say, make a U-turn at such and such street, but I like it when it says, make a U-turn at the next intersection, (laughs) and that's what God's saying to us every morning, right? Every time we sin, we realize we sin, God's saying what? Make a U-turn. This is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. I read about uh, this last week uh, a certain type of ants that have a um, propensity uh, for this glandular stuff that a certain kind of caterpillar that turns into a blue butterfly gives off. It's like ant chocolate. How many of y'all like chocolate? Raise your hand. All right, we'll pray the rest of y'all get saved, all right? <laughs> it's like ant ice cream to, the, to these ants. And so what they do is they'll take the caterpillar, and these ants love it. And so what do you do if you like it? You bring it home. And so they bring this caterpillar home to the ant nest, and what, they, what the ants aren't realizing, what they don't know is that the caterpillar eats the ant larva, the baby ants. And so they're bringing into their home... Because they're so addicted to this, so much it tastes so good to them, it gives them so much pleasure. They can't see what's happening. They're blinded by their own desires, and they can't see that it's going to bring forth death to the ant colony. 
Guys, we don't want to bring into our hearts and bring into our lives those things that are going to bring forth death, right? We want to say no to that kind of thing. So we've seen uh, the source, it's ourselves. We've seen the strategy, it's deception, desire, disobedience, and death. And now let's see, how do you refuse the snare? How do you say no to the temptation? How do you you silence the temptation? Well, James is going to help us out a little bit here, as as you think he might would. Uh, First of all, we want to focus on truth, not temptation. Focus on truth, not temptation. Focus on what you know God says is true. Don't sit there and think more and more about how enticing that temptation is. It's like little Tommy was in the kitchen. He had his hand in the kitchen, uh, in the cookie jar. And his mama came in, and she said, he's got his hand in the cookie jar. She said, what are you doing? He said, trying to resist temptation. (laughs) Now, how many know that's a bad way to resist temptation? Amen. No, no, you want to stay as far away as you possibly can. You don't focus on the cookie in the cookie jar. You focus on Christ. Look at James 1.16, the New International Version. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. See, when the temptation comes... Try not to just think about it. When you get in discussions with the devil, you're in trouble. When you start thinking, well, it's not that bad. Maybe nobody will know. Maybe maybe I'll just do it this one time. The more you think, the more you debate it, the more you think about it, the worse it's going to be. You want to what? Replace that temptation with a verse. Replace it with a truth. Focus on Christ. Focus on the good things that God brings in your life. And it would be a lot easier than hanging on to the temptation. The morning I was working on this, I read Romans 10, 17 in my quiet time. The very day I'm working on this. It says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news about Christ. And the more I embrace good news, the more I embrace the gospel, the more I see the gospel that Jesus died for that sin. How in the world... As his follower, am I going to enjoy living in something that cost Jesus his life? When you think about the cross, what he had to do for me to be forgiven of that, and I'm going to willingly engage in that behavior, focus on, not on temptation, focus on the truth, and then focus on God's goodness and not sin's sweetness. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Now, remember, God doesn't send temptation. What does he send? Good gifts. Great gifts. The best gifts. God sends his son. In fact, the day, one of, uh, one of the days I was working on this, Matthew 7, 11 was in my quiet time. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In Luke chapter 11, it says same same. Um, context he's doing the Lord's prayer and Luke it says not good gifts how much more will he give the Holy Spirit which is the best gift right he'll give himself to those who ask him so he says what don't get in discussion and a debate about temptation focus on asking God for his good gifts so think about it tonight as we get ready to close what are some good gifts that God gives you that your flesh can't give and Satan can't give and the world can't Forgiveness, right? Eternal love, answered prayer. Laura and I would never have met had it not been for the Lord. 
Maybe you and your husband or wife would never have met if it hadn't been for the Lord. Maybe you got healing from an illness. Maybe you've got the joy of obedience. Maybe you saw God's goodness uh, during revival. We need to look at it and say, man, that path of temptation leads to death. The path of God leads to eternal life. Look at James chapter 1, verse 18, as we get ready to close. New Living Translation. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. You see, anything good in me is because of God's undeserved goodness toward me. It's because of God's undeserved goodness toward me. God is the source of every good thing in us. And so that should cause us to want to fall down and say, Lord, you are trustworthy. You are wholly good. You are wholly dependable. You are wholly reliable. I want to stay as far away from the enemy of you as I possibly can. I read about a missionary this last week. I got in Dr. Paul Carlson, and uh, he was martyred in 1956, uh, put to death for his faith. And they found him. Uh, when they found him, he had his Bible with him. He had his Bible with him. Here's a guy obviously going through some hard times, obviously the temptation to run away, right? Temptation to forsake God, the temptation not to stay true to the gospel. But they found him, and they found his Bible on him. And he, they found a dated verse that was dated the day before, the day before. And he had written beside it, peace, peace. He gave his life, but he died saying, God has given me peace, even in the worst part of my life. And folks, nobody else can give us that but God. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? I don't know what your temptation is. I know mine, some of them. But boy, we live in a world that really tries to dull our senses to temptation. To make us think that sin is not really that sinful. And um, disobeying God is really not that bad. Everybody does it. It's okay, you know. But we need to take it seriously and say, man, I genuinely want to follow Jesus. And when I'm tempted, and we all are, even Jesus was. When I'm tempted, here's what my genuine faith looks like. I know. I know, even if I don't feel it, if it doesn't feel like it, I know God gives the best gifts. Sin ultimately leads to death. So, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Give us wisdom tonight to know when to stand firm and resist temptation and when to flee. Uh, Lord, help us to keep our minds uh, caught up with you in your goodness, in your holiness, your blessings, and not be having these discussions with temptation. Lord, help us to follow wholeheartedly. Help us, Lord, to see you standing with your hand out, saying, take my hand and let me walk you through this. Take my hand. I know the way through this. I know how to get through this. Follow me, and I'll help you do this. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Lisa's going to play softly.